and welcome to The Marriage Project. I can gladly say that I am happy to be with you today here on Faith FM. What does that mean, that you're not normally happy to be... I don't know. I just felt really good about being in this space today. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. It's just positive vibes, you know. Um, just happy to be with our listeners, happy to be in this space, happy to be doing this together. I really enjoy doing this together and I hope that our listeners out there enjoy our time together too. That's right. It is and a bit I of a am, highlight for us. I am grateful for each person tuned in today. That's right. Well, yeah. we, are, we are glad to be with you this afternoon in case you missed it or also because we didn't actually even say it. I am Chapo and I'm here with my wife. Bethany, and we are the hosts of The Marriage Project. And what are we marriage projecting this afternoon? We are talking about two are better than one. Okay. Yep. And why why do you believe that? Because here on The Marriage Project, we talk about biblical wisdom and how it applies to marriage. And so, two are better than one is something that's straight out of the Bible. And I want to talk about, well, let's nut that out. How does it work? What does it look like? All right. So, what are we going to cover? So, we're going to talk about friendship in marriage and the opposite of that, loneliness in marriage. And then we're going to talk about biblical partnership and what that looks like. Okay, cool. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty good about that. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, let's get into it. All right. Friendship in marriage. So, I don't believe that luck is the key to successful marriage. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I just want to put that out there for people listening today, for you, our listener today. I don't believe that luck is the key to a successful marriage. And often when people talk about love, they talk about falling in love like it's an accident, like it's a hole that you just tripped into as you're walking down the path unwillingly. But I really don't believe that that love looks like that in a marriage, that love played out over time as part of a committed lifelong experience yeah. looks like an accident. Well, even even like when we say things like we wish them all the best, um, like when a couple gets married, as if we have any power over that, you know, basically mm. we're saying we hope things just work out, <laughs> which is luck. Like we hope just somehow it just happens well and they'll be lucky and their marriage will be good. Yeah, and choosing a partner is not like a, a lucky dip or something that's just a good fortune, but I really believe that it comes down to... Well, not in our culture, at least, anyway. In some cultures, it is kind of like a lucky dip, I suppose, <laughs> <laughs> with arranged marriages and, and so forth. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, here in Australia, where we get to choose marriage, I think that being married is a choice that we make on the regular as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So part of that is that we need to make sure that we have a good friendship with our partner because we don't always feel passionate. There are times in our marriage where passion isn't really huge yeah. on the radar. And that's not even bad. And I've talked about this before where there are times where I have been just madly in love with you. Like you times over our marriage where you just fall in love all over again. Maybe something happens or maybe nothing happens, but you just have these just deep passionate feelings of just love and affection towards your spouse. And I felt that towards you. But there's other times where I haven't had those strong, really deep in love gushy feelings. And they're kind of they're just it sort of just moves into normality. Um but it's in that time where the friendship kicks it up into gear and keeps things moving along really well and keeps the partnership strong. You can't expect for the entirety of years and years of marriage that you will feel madly and passionately in love 
the mm. entire time. Mm, that's right. So it's really important that you've got a foundation of friendship to fall back on when life is challenging, when passion is low, or just when things get super normal and ordinary yep. in your life as well. Um, so what makes a good friend, Chapo? Got any words for what makes good friends? Funny people. Ah, oh, I like you, people who make yeah, me laugh. You like funny people. I do. For me, um, trustworthy people is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, to actually know that if I speak to this person or if I let them in, then I can trust them. And part of that's sort of in the things that we say and making sure it doesn't get gossiped around, but also just that loyalty, knowing that you're going to be that person that shows up for me. And yeah. that's a really big deal for me in a, in a friendship. Yeah, I would say people you don't have to impress. Oh. Um, so, uh, like, you can probably think, like, there's some people that, that come to your house and say, hey, I'm going to come around. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got to clean up. The place is filthy. Or I've got to think of something that we can do or a game that we can play or something I can talk about um, as opposed to some of your friends and you'll be in the same space as them. And it's okay to just sit and... In a messy house. Some of your friends will leave. With nothing to eat or drink and just not have anything great to talk about, but just be together. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and how much better are the friends that come in and roll their sleeves up when you're struggling or bring your food and you don't have to impress them? It's the opposite, that they bring all of the good things into your life. Mind you, we have talked about doing a service for people where we Mm. do ring up ring them up and say, hey, we're about to pop around. Is that okay? <laughs> and they say yes. And that means that they go in a mad hurry to clean their house and get their things in order before you come around and then ring them up 20 minutes later saying it was just a joke. We're not coming around, but enjoy your clean house. Yeah. So, we've joked about that, but we haven't actually done it to anyone, but we thought it would be a really nice service to our friends for them to enjoy <laughs> their house in the state that it's in when a visitor comes by. But definitely having non-judgmental friendships is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's maybe what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. Um, listening's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who like there's some people that you're around and you're just like, Oh my goodness, you just don't stop talking about yourself. Do you even care about me? And so it's really important that I somebody met people like that. Yeah, it's really <laughs> important. Are you looking at me like it's no. me? Oh. <laughs> okay. No, not at all. I was like, Oh, I didn't think I did that. <laughs> Yeah, you can probably think of some people that we both know who are like that. Yeah, so listening and caring about somebody else's story and somebody else's hopes, dreams and ideas is really yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, empathy is really big for me. And because I'm an empath, like I am, you know, empathetic, sometimes to the point of my own detriment, but someone who will sit with you and just feel what you're feeling as opposed mm. to just, you know, saying oh, it's not that bad, oh, cheer up, oh, it could be worse, or at least it's not like this, or at least, you know, someone who just says, hey, this is, yeah. Yeah. This this, this hurts for you. This really, this sucks. Let, yeah. let me sit with you in this. Yeah, and somebody that you can just be your true self around yep. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you like about our friendship, Chapo? Oh, now, this is interesting because... One of the only things that we have in common, aside from our love for Jesus and the children that we both parent, <laughs> is is our sense of humour. True. Like, you know, and we've always really bonded over, you know, telling funny jokes and doing funny pranks and doing stuff like that because we don't share a lot of hobbies. Like, yeah. um, you know, I've got, I've got a whole slather of hobbies. Um, that I do by myself. You're not interested in those same things. We don't go out on fishing trips together or um, go snorkeling together or really even play music together much or ride motorbikes together or anything like that. 
But I don't even have a motorbike license or a fishing license. Yeah. I'm not even in your league. Well, you don't actually, <laughs> you, d- you don't need a fishing license if you're taking someone who is under 18 fishing, you get a free pass. So, no, I'm not under 18. That's right. So if you were taking the kids, you wouldn't need a license. Oh, right. So Sorry. A, I thought you were saying that I was underage. And I was like, no, that's a crime. We can't no, even be married. No. <laughs> no. Communication you, is so I, important. Yeah. <laughs> Understanding. Um, but it's, yeah, we really do bond over things that we love, like comedy things, just being funny together, telling jokes, creating crazy versions of reality and sharing with each other. That's what we do. That and, of course, that we b- both love Jesus. And we both are people who have seen some pretty dark realities of human existence and grown up in families that were less than ideal and have experienced the transformation that Jesus offers. And that's something else that I love about our friendship that we are bonded together because of shared experiences and shared healing. Mm. And you and I, chat, we were really, really, really good friends before we started dating. Like, yep. you were my closest guy friend. I don't, I don't know if I was your closest female friend. You had a lot of, like, women on the circulation at the time. You are a pretty <laughs> cool guy. Um, but we were really good friends, right? Yeah. Like, we got along so well. Yeah. But then, because of that really great friendship that we had – Moving from, transitioning from being friends to being more than friends, that was a real high risk endeavor for us. And that was a really tricky situation for us. It wasn't like in the romantic films, it was a hard transition for us. That's right. But, um, I- well, it, it was, it was Avondale College as well. So, and in the, back in the golden era of Avondale College when we were students, I think the ratio was three girls to every guy. Yeah. So it was, it was different. Like there were the girls that sort of I was saying, Hey, could that be a potential partner? But then there was Bethany, who was my really close friend. And it was almost like it was two different worlds for me. This is Bethany, who I get along with great. And we both, you know, share a common, you know, spirituality in the way that we understand God and church and the world. And we both are really hilarious in the jokes that we make. And it was really great. But then it was, you know, looking for love interest in other places, probably. And so, I got friend zoned. That's yeah, what you're that's what I'm trying to say, really. <laughs> So I got friend zoned. Anyway, it was a high risk transition <laughs> going from being friends to more than friends. And um, yeah. maybe another time we might tell you about our transition into love together. But it, oh, it was, maybe not. Or maybe not. It's, it's a not very sad flattering story. towards me. It's not a very super romantic story. No, our proposal is a better story. That is a great story. But, you know, that's okay. But the point that I'm making is that our friendship that we built early on in our relationship and throughout our relationship has been really solid yeah. and a really important part of our relationship. What do you love about our friendship? What do I like about our friendship? I like it that we laugh together. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think we're making our kids real silly, hey. They're weird kids. Yeah. We just, we're always making jokes. We're always making jokes with them and um, I don't know, they might need therapy later when yeah. they grow up, but they're going to be like, my parents were always so funny. <laughs> It's funny though, because like, you know, when you talk to people who are like younger people, like young adults or, you know, people who are just transitioning out of their teen years and stuff and they're looking for someone to date and they've got that really close friend that's there like, oh, but you know, if we dated, we'd ruin our friendship and you know, oh, what had happened? And I don't know, part of my thinking is the reality is like one day you're going to be married to someone and that friendship will be gone anyway. Cause no one wants you like having this super bestie that you hang out with all the time. Who's also a girl, you know? Mm. Um, and sometimes you just got to weigh it up. 
that's true as well. Yeah. You definitely things definitely shift when you go into that committed partnership, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I've still got some really good friends who are, who are like women, and you yeah. know them, and you're friends with them as well. But and I'm friends with some guys that have been my friends since I was a teenager. That's right. As well. But I'd say that our, my friendship with those other ladies is not the same as it was before you and I started dating. Mm. Like mm. It, it definitely changed. It changes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So if you're in that position of being young and being in the friend zone with those heart feelings, <laughs> are you telling them to like, I don't know. To maybe try this it is, out. Maybe this is advice <laughs> that we shouldn't be giving. And look, I think we just need to take a break and regroup and figure out what we're actually trying to tell the people this afternoon. Sound good? Okay. All right, let's take a break. In this world, there is trouble. But you bring peace I find it on my face Yeah, on my knees In my darkest of hours I will call your name When I'm weary and broken In my weakness I will pray I need Jesus I need real love I don't need another fancy thing What I need is you yeah. on the tallest of mountains in the highest place on my greatest of days yeah oh it's all grace when my joy is overwhelming Still I call your name Staying desperate for you, Lord I will sing it out again I need Jesus I need real love I don't need another fancy thing What I need is you I need Jesus I need real love I don't need another fancy I'll call upon your name When all the world is right Still I will seek your face And in the sun or star There's nothing I want more Than you Oh, than you team here at Faith FM are encouraging you to stay positive and look out for others in this virus season. But maybe it's you that's in a tough spot right now due to the coronavirus. Maybe you're running low on supplies, out of work, stuck in self-quarantine or just needing someone to chat to. We don't have any instant solutions, but there are many community services available to help. 
And if you don't know where to turn to, contact us on 1-800-FAITH-FM through our website faithfm.com.au or on Facebook and we may be able to connect you with someone in your community who can offer support. Welcome back to Faith FM. You are here with Chapo and Bethany, and you are listening to The Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. And we are talking about the concept that two are better than one. And we have been specifically talking about the importance of friendship in marriage. Mm, Absolutely. Now, I want to note that the Bible says more about loving your Christian brothers and sisters than it ever does about loving your spouse. But it does say some great stuff about loving your spouse as well. It does, yeah. And can you remember like a while back I said that there's biblical wisdom and it's not necessarily about marriage, but we can still apply it to how to be married? Yeah, we've talked about that a few times. Like, There's this wealth of... Um, instruction and guidance about what it means to be a believer and someone who lives in the way of Jesus, right? That applies to our marriage as much as it applies to every aspect of our life. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, I wanted to look at some friendships in the Bible. Okay. I reckon these are the most romantic words in the whole Bible, Chapo. Romantic? Yeah. I reckon this is the most romantic thing in the whole Bible. It is actually not said between a man and a woman. It's said between two friends. And it says this, um, Ruth, chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17, it says this, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord do to me and also more if anything but death parts me from you. Don't you think that's romantic? Like, isn't that, that's like Shakespeare's type stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to follow you. I'm never going to leave you. Don't ask me to leave. I'm going to embrace everything that is yours, that is your culture, that is your people, that is your God, even though I don't know anything about it. But I want to be with you, even though it's going to be hard. Yeah. Even though we might die. And if we do die, let's die together. Like, that's huge. It's funny that's that you beautiful. say romantic because, like, if, if this was too guys, we would say that it was bromantic. You know, you, you know how often there's a bromance where there's like yeah. two guys have a very special friendship and in a completely platonic way, but you call it a bromance. So, that's, mm. you would call that, I don't know, is there a feminine version of the word bromance? Mm. Bromantic? No, I don't think so. Cis? No, I don't know. No, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I just think those are really beautiful words of love and it's not a married couple. It's a, it's a deep friendship. Yeah. And God really wants us to have deep, good quality friendships in our yeah, lives. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one that is quite similar, but it's two guys, is the- uh, This is a bromance. This is a bromance, yeah. is um, David and Jonathan. So, it, particularly in this part of the Bible, so Second Samuel, so Jonathan has died in the battlefield, and this is David's response to the death of this person who was his closest friend and, like, best companion. He says, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Wow. You know, and um, I think that when you look at the story of King David, I think he loved Jonathan better than he loved any of his wives. Yeah. Now, now look, some people have gone to say, oh, like, it must be suggesting some sort of homosexual relationship between David and Jonathan. There's nothing in the text that suggests that there was anything like sexual or romantic about their relationship, they were just really close friends. They saw themselves as brothers, like the mm. closest of companions. Mm. And you're right, There's it, 
it appears that this is the best relationship he had in his whole life, better than the relationships he had with his wives. And why do you think that was? Maybe because he had more than one. Yeah. How many <laughs> How many wives did David have? Um, I don't know. Like, there was definitely Abigail, Michelle, and Bathsheba, and then I don't know if there was other concubines and other women that he collected along the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he definitely didn't limit himself in that aspect of his yeah, life. Yeah, and it created a hot mess. And so no wonder his like companionship with Jonathan was the best thing in his life, as you know, as far as um a loving companion went, because home would have been. <laughs> pretty crazy. Yeah, and his difficult relationships with his wife led yeah. to difficult relationships with his children and like a really messed up family legacy yeah. in his life. So That's but- why God's ideal is two are better than one and the two become one because yeah, good luck trying to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. God's ideal, yeah, is It's just a good idea. It's a good idea to have two people in a partnership. All right. All right. And I want you to know as well that healthy friendships um, are really important part of your health as a person and your life and your wellness and can add to the wellness of your marriage as well. That if you have other people that you can um, have those really quality friendships with that aren't your spouse, that's a really important part of, of growth and development as being a well person, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. I and, so. and I know that sometimes there's times when I just really need girl time and I really need to catch up with a friend that's not you. And it's not because I don't love you. It's because those quality friendships I know make me a better partner and mother and friend to yeah, you. That's yeah. right. That's completely agree. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what next? So we've covered friendship mm. in marriage. What's I guess what's the opposite to that? I would say the opposite of that is loneliness in marriage. Yeah. yeah. And just talking about that, even thinking it like the your tone of voice changed when you think said loneliness in marriage because it just sounds It's sad. Like, it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. So do we need to chop to a break or do we need to are we, have we got share time? Yeah, share time? time? Share okay, time. cool. So, I just want to share um, a time in our marriage when I felt lonely, and maybe you can think of a time in our marriage when you felt lonely sure. as well. Um, for me in particular, I would say that it was in those times where we had newborn babies in the house. Yeah. Um, and I just felt completely overwhelmed by what it meant to sustain a new life and to to – so much depended on me um, to raise that baby and to to do the right thing, and and um and it was just it was a really hard time, and I just felt like you got to go out and be outside of the house, and I was really stuck at home, and I just felt really lonely and isolated, and and then I just really struggled. We struggled to connect and communicate because there was always I was always exhausted. There was always somebody between us, a little person or more yeah. than one. Yeah. 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 And interestingly, it's the exact same time for me. And we've talked about this. This is not us airing our, um, our deep grievances for the first time with one another, but just us being vulnerable and real about this experience of loneliness within our marriage. But it was the same for me. It was with our first child, with our first daughter. And, uh, you know, you had become so consumed about trying to be a good mum. And trying to live up to all of the different voices, all of the different mums groups on Facebook and the different books about how to get your baby to sleep and how to, how to raise a child the best way. And you were like quite overwhelmed with how do I do this? What do I do? But in the result of that, yeah, I just, I felt very shut out and like I wasn't a part of it. And when I did try to contribute, I didn't do it the right way because I hadn't read the same book and, um, started to feel like, yeah, we were just 
you know, doing all this stuff together, but just on completely different pages and not talking and not being kind to each other at all in the way that we spoke to each other because we were both tired mm. and we're both, yeah, not getting any of our emotional connection met with each other. Mm. And we've since talked about that and since found ways to move forward. And I realised that if I wasn't to feel so lonely that I needed to let you shoulder some of the burden of responsibility. But that also meant that I needed to let my standards go and let you do it in your way. And that was a really, that's a really hard thing to do. I think a lot of women struggle with that, like letting the men in their lives actually take control of something domestically. So that's, and you know, he might not fold the towels in the right way, but you need to let him in on that responsibility and that part of your life if it's a burden for you. Yeah. And, and for me, like I remember, like it was really hard to do because I, I didn't want to upset you. You were trying so hard and you were so exhausted, but it got to the point where I said, we have to talk because I know that you love me, but I feel like you don't like me anymore mm-hmm. because of just the way we are communicating and the way you're talking to me and, and just the way our life is going. Um, but that opened up the door to a conversation to be able to do things better. And that was mm-hmm. a hard thing to say. And it wasn't me trying to attack you in any way, but it was like sometimes you've got to own up and say, something's not working here. What are we doing? How can we do this better as opposed to just getting deeper and deeper into a pit of um, dissatisfaction, which will lead to resentment, mm. which will lead to end up, you know, sort of having grudges toward each other or hating each other based on yeah, things that can be fixed. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And um, those conversations are really important to have, even though they seem scary. Or like it's going to be difficult. Like, you know that if you bring up something with me nine times out of ten, I'm just going to start crying. So that's something that you have to sort of brace yourself I've for. I've just learned to deal with it. part of the hardness. At the start, it was just like, oh, I've broken her. What have I done? Right? Like, <laughs> oh, and, and I felt so bad. But now I've just had to learn, you know what? It's, there's going to be tears. <laughs> you just got to deal with it. But on the other side of those difficult conversations where we hear one another, where we understand one another, we can move to a place of deeper connection, and that's really important. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it is now time for us to take a break. Thanks for being the timekeeper, chaps. You know more about time than me. So we're, we- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's part of like the just the roles in our relationship <laughs> in many ways. I'm the timekeeper um, for much of our daily life. But anyway, you don't need to hear about that. We'll be back soon um, with more of the Marriage Project. Oh, you afflicted one. Tossed with tempest and not comforted Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed No weapon that's formed against you will ever prosper Or have dominion over you, my child You've been chosen for a purpose won't you trust me? I'll see you through This tapestry's not yet done You're a work in progress A masterpiece is being spun You can't see what I see Trust me, I am that I am Distracted one Burdened and weary 
of this world Please remember This world is not your home Behold, I am coming quickly My reward with me To give to all according to their words Hold my hand, you will conquer this with me This tapestry's not yet done You're a work in progress A masterpiece is being spun You can't see what I see Trust me, I am that I am You have my word I began a good work in you And you know I will Carry it on Till it's done This tapestry's not yet done You're a work in progress A masterpiece is being can't see what I see Trust me I am that I am You can't see what I see Trust me I am that I am Looking for an easy way to share a program with a friend? Tell them about the free Faith FM app where they can easily listen to hundreds of programs and podcasts. Welcome back to the Marriage Project here on Faith FM. M-M. Faith, Faith what? Ah, Faith FM. It <laughs> Faith helps if you make FM. helps if you make the right mouth words. Don't know if Faith, Faith FM. M-M. There isn't. Don't Google it. Okay. I'm Bethany. This is Chapo, and we've been talking about how two is better than one, and about loneliness in marriage at the moment. So, if you've been feeling lonely in marriage, you're not alone. I saw one study that said that 40% of people surveyed said they could relate to the feeling of loneliness in marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Britain has a loneliness minister. Yeah, Did that's you really know crazy. That? Yeah, in their parliament, they they appointed a minister for loneliness because of the just the huge soaring numbers of people who were saying, "Hey, I feel really lonely." Mm. And loneliness has a direct impact on mental health and other diseases, even like loneliness affects d- disease rate. Yeah. But it was good for their overall economy and the well-being of the nation to appoint a loneliness minister to try to tackle loneliness. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Like, loneliness can be quite a destructive thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we live in a time in the world where we've never been more connected, but we've also never been more disconnected as well. So, we're really connected in the internet, in social media, in we have various ways of communicating with each other. But often, it's a barrier between us and being known yeah. closely by another person. You know, I saw this meme the other day, and memes shouldn't be used as like, um, uh, you know, like a, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> as, okay. as a source of truth, so let's say uh, that. Yes. Um, but it really resonated with me. It just had two pictures, and it said, in the past, we used to go to technology to escape reality, and it says, now we we escape, no, now we 
oh no, what was it? Now we leave technology to, oh no, I've lost it. I can't remember what it said. But basically it said in the past we'd go to technology as a break. Now we have to leave technology to get a break. Like we have to go away from technology to escape reality and go somewhere like into the woods or down to the river or to the beach. That's like leaving it all behind. Yeah, that's so true. Oh man, my words are not That's okay because- um, that's kind of how it is sometimes yeah, in life. Yeah, Jesus still loves me. That's beautiful. So, you can still be parenting together, still having sex and sharing a bed at night, still having a cuppa and breakfast in the morning, but you can be deeply lonely in your marriage. Yeah. And so, that actually relates to not being physically together, but actually feeling abandoned emotionally. You know, like... And that's interesting. And that is in some situations you can. Like your sex life won't be impacted by the loneliness. But in many cases it is. Like from a lot of research it says that like your intimate connection is like a um, a temperature gauge of how well you're connecting emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it's a, sort of a good guide like to say, hey, how are we doing? How are we connecting and in terms of how things are going in the bedroom? Mm. But yeah, it, it's not always the predictor. It's not yeah. always the indicator. And there, there's seasons for that. As well, where sometimes it's greater and sometimes it's lesser, and that's okay too. Um, but you definitely have to not just talk about the daily run of the mill activities, but you actually need to have opportunities to talk about your hopes and your fears and your dreams with your spouse. And if you're not doing that, then you're not connecting. And what are they called when we talk about our hopes, fears, and dreams and goals? Oh, I don't know. No, it's a, we did a whole thing on it. In um, it's it's one of Gottman's things. No, can't remember. Okay, all right. Do you know? No, I've forgotten. Oh, you asking me because I know. Because remember, because we we talked about it before. Is it love maps? Love maps. Love maps. Love maps. That's it. Yeah. Um, Love maps is the idea that John Gottman talks about, which is communicating, building friendship, and building a deep understanding of who your partner is. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes from having those conversations about things like hopes and dreams and fears and goals and concerns and stuff like that. Yeah. Actually, having a deeper understanding of who your partner is on a deeper level, not just surface level, not just like, what do you want for breakfast? How was work today? Um, you know. But actually knowing them. Did you get the bills paid? Mm, absolutely. And I guess that's one of the reasons why the Bible in Genesis talks about marriage as being knowing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And being known by the other person. Um, and another thing from Genesis is the very first thing that God said was not good was that man was alone. That's right. And God's solution to that was marriage, was that he created a woman for Adam to be with. Yeah. And like one of the lines that I pretty much always share when I do a wedding ceremony for someone is that the purpose of marriage was it was the solution to aloneness. So, like, the idea of being married is that each person protects one another from experiencing aloneness. Like, it should, it's my responsibility to, to, to be close to you, to love you, to know you in such a way that you don't experience loneliness. Mm. and vice versa, Mm. because it's unfortunately so common that even in marriage, which was supposed to fix the problem of being alone, loneliness is still rampant. Yeah, right. And so, I think for you, the listener, that something that's really valuable is to just accept that idea as a challenge. How can I solve the problem of loneliness in my partner's life? How can I be the solution to loneliness in my partner's life? That doesn't mean that everything's one-sided, but it does mean that you, now that you've heard this information, you can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really important. So, think about ways that you can 
solve the problem of loneliness for your partner, how you can create times in the day or times in the week or the month, um, rituals of connection where it's like we have a moment where we stop and we connect and we say the important stuff to each other and not just the ordinary mundane living life stuff to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So next I want to talk about biblical partnership. Right. All right. And I've got a Bible text for you guys. It is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. Now I'm going to just um, rummage in my Bible here to get to Ecclesiastes, so you might even hear those little pages going. Rummage. Do you rummage in your Bible or is I don't know if rummage is the right word. Like rummage makes me think like your Bible is a wheelbarrow full of scrolls that you've inherited (laughs) from a local synagogue and you're desperately trying to find Ecclesiastes and blowing sand off in the process. Where where has it gone? I'm just flicking the pages and um, Ecclesiastes is one of those ones that gets me. I'm just like, okay, where are you, Ecclesiastes? Are you before Psalms or after Psalms? Because I know you're there somewhere (laughs) and I can't find you. (laughs) And I didn't learn those songs in Sabbath school to remember which book comes in the next after which one. One of the benefits of growing up as a kid in church is that you get to learn the songs and remember the order of the Bible. When you have to learn that as a teenager or as an adult, like I did when I first came to church, church, you're just missing out on that really just right brain learning. Oh, You've yeah. got to just learn in a more difficult way as a grown-up yeah. person. I remember like when I became a Christian, I was just like, I was gun on all this Bible prophecy stuff. I was just like, yeah, this is awesome and just consuming Daniel and Revelation. But then um, started going to church and there'd be like a quiz and it'd be like, who was such and such as grandpa? So I was just like, I've got no idea. Like, like, how many generations did Moses do this for us? Like, no clue. It's, because it's, you didn't do all those weekly lessons with a little teacher telling yeah, you the story of the Bible. The story point yeah. of view. And it's really valuable because it really sticks in your head when you learn it as a kid. Yes, absolutely. So, I would recommend for parents out there that send your kids to Sabbath school. Send your kids to learn about God, to um, even special religious education in schools, scripture yep. in schools. So valuable for them to know a picture of who God is and what the Bible's about as well. Yeah, that's right. Yes. All right. So, Ecclesiastes. Yeah, let's say Ecclesiastes. That's not even a word. Ecclesiastes, chapter four. Ecclesiastes. Come and listen to Bethany <laughs> read from Ecclesiastes on Faith MM today. <laughs> Okay, so all of the mouth words are coming out wrong, but we get there eventually. Okay, Ecclesiastes, I said it right, chapter 4 and verse 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Um, I like that it says the word woe in that part of the Bible just because it's a really funny Bible word. We don't say it much. We don't woe much these days. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not woeing enough. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We don't use it with our children. Like, woe unto you for leaving the Legos everywhere and dad trod on them again. We We should woe about Legos because they are painful and um, they are a challenging part of parenthood. Mm. So... 
Ecclesiastes is a really great book of the Bible. Um, and I really like it because it's actually just like a little bit morbid and weird, but it's this old man speaking in, in his wisdom. Yeah, but I like it because it's, it's real too. Yes. It, like the thing I love about books like Ecclesiastes and Lamentations is, you know, the picture of a Christian person isn't that guy who's super smiley and happy all the time and everything's great and super awesome. It's like, hey, real life happens and it's ugly and it's painful, but remember God's through it all. And mm. God is still with you even in your darkest moments. I think that's a really important part of what it means to be a believer. So I'm glad those books exist. Yeah, because you don't have to be wealthy, white, middle class and always wear a suit with a smile on your face to be a Christian. Yeah. You can actually be a normal human being. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that, that believers of God, and you see that all through the Bible, just this the reality of the human experience. And it's really beautiful. Yes. All right. All right. So, so what what is this telling us about partnership? All right. So, Ecclesiastes chapter four. I nearly said it again. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter four. Maybe this is why not a lot of people talk about Ecclesiastes, because they're just like, too long, can't talk about it. I think it's just it's you. It's just I'm, me. I think it's just you. Okay, so chapter four in this part of the Bible is actually not talking about marriage. No, and that's the thing, like, because this will often get used um, when talking about marriage, when Mm. preaching about marriage or in a marriage sermon, but it's actually got nothing to do with a husband and wife Mm. in its original context. Yeah, and if you um, do a Google search of that text, Ecclesiastes 9 to 12, a whole bunch of stuff will come up about how to have a great marriage and how God wants... What did I say? You just said 9 to 12. Yeah, so chapter four, four nine to twelve. Okay, yeah. should I just stop talking? No, no. But you said if you Google it, it'll bring up all these results about marriage. Right? Yeah, because it gets used about marriage a lot of the time, and it's a great one for talking about marriage. But originally, it wasn't intended for marriage. So the context of chapter four is that the writer is talking all about evil in the world and about how the world is full of wickedness and vanity and foolishness. Vanity is not one we really throw around that much these days. It's similar to woes. Um, But he talks about how the world is just not a beautiful place to live in. He's having a bit of a downer. He talks about how it is better to be dead than alive because you don't have to, like, live through the pain and the heartache of this world. And then he says, actually, no, it's better to not even be born yet than a dead person (laughs) because then you don't even have a memory of what this world is like. So he's being real. He's keeping it real. He's being real. And I can, I'm sure that most people have had moments when they've felt like that, that this world is just a it's, really sad place to live in yeah. sometimes. Um, and then he goes on to talk about that there are two types of foolishness. Right. And he talks about it in regards to work ethic. He says the first thing is it is foolishness to work to impress others. Now today we call that keeping up with the Joneses. He's talking about how it's just not a great place to be coming from in your work if you're always trying to impress other people. Yes. If you're worried about judgment all the time. Yes. It's a, it's a stupid motivation. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And then the other thing that he says is a bad motivation is just working for your own personal wealth, selfishness and greed, but not having anyone to share it with. Huh. Okay. So, two types of foolishness. Number one is when you live your life and you do things to impress other people. He's saying, mm-hmm. that's foolish. That's mm-hmm. dumb. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And the second thing he's saying, when you work hard for riches that you keep to yourself and you don't share with anyone else. He's saying, that's also dumb. Yeah, that's okay. right. Why and is that dumb? Why is that dumb? So, yeah. that's when he gets to the point where he says, it's dumb to work 
and work and work and work and get really rich and have nothing to share it with. And then he goes into that's why two is better than one. It's better to not be alone. And that's when he does this little poem, if you will, about what it means to have two instead of one and why God thinks that that's beneficial for your life and it's important. Yeah. Well, we need to take a break. So we're going to do that now and we're going to come back and we're going to keep talking about Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Biblical partnership. See you then. (laughs) Rock of ages cleft for me Let me hide myself in thee Let the water and the blood From thy wounded side which flow Be of sin the double cure Save from wrath and make me The labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou Simply to thy cross I cling Naked come to thee for dress Helpless look to thee for grace Found I to the fountain fly Wash me, Savior, or I die Wash me, Savior, or I die draw this fleeting breath when my eyes shall close in death when I rise to worlds unknown and behold thee on thy throne rock of ages clap for me let me hide myself let me hide myself let me hide in me. Let me hide myself. Let me hide myself. Let me hide myself in thee. Let me hide myself. Let me hide. Let me hide myself in Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to The Marriage Project. You are here with Chapo and Bethany, and we have been talking about the whole idea that in marriage, two are better than one. We've been talking about the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter four, yes. um, verse nine to 12, where we actually get this analogy that the idea is two are better than one. Now, we talked about the fact that it's actually not about marriage. 
in mm. its original context, it's about something else, but it still applies to marriage. So, I, but here's just a, an overall principle. I think it's really important to understand the text of scripture in its original context before we apply it, as opposed to just reading it and saying, hey, this fits here. Let's cram it there and say it applies to here. I think it's much, much better when we understand what the original readers and the original listeners understood and then apply that principle to our life today. Would yes, you agree? Absolutely. A text outside of the context, what are you left with when you remove the text from the context? Con. A con. That's oh wow, right. Chapo. Yeah. Where did you get was uh, that in another meme? <laughs> <laughs> that's a fancy one there. No, but the Bible has to be read in context. I'm I'm a huge believer in that. And so what we're doing now is understanding what this actually means in its context. Yeah. When the writer of Ecclesiastes said two are better than one, what does it actually mean in its original context? And then we're gonna say, well, what is that bigger principle and how does it relate to biblical partnership in a marriage? Yeah. Absolutely. So, after he addresses that there's two kinds of foolishness, the first, working to impress others, and the second, working but being lonely and having heaps and heaps of wealth. Then he goes on to talk about how two is better than one, how companionship is really great, how God intended that for our lives, and how it makes our lives the best life we can live. And we see that in the Bible as well. Like, Christianity isn't a single person life. Not meaning that single people aren't invited to a Christian life, but that Christianity is designed to be shared, that you're designed to be a part of something bigger. And that's your connection with God, but also your connection with others. And that's why God gives us a church to be a part of. You know, you a lot of people are probably quite familiar with the phrase that Jesus is my personal saviour and to mm. have a personal saving relationship with Jesus. That's Although that's important, and I'm not trying to dis- disregard that, but that sort of language only came in in the last couple of hundred years in church language because before that it was never about me personally. It mm. was about, hey, I've committed to Jesus as an individual, but as an individual now I'm being become part of the body of Christ and salvation becomes something that I experience and participate in with other people once I have repented and turned from my sin. And Does, does that make sense? Yeah, but absolutely. But sometimes we get this idea that being a Christian is about being this little like lone ranger, like this lone wolf out there in the road who's like, you know, on Jesus' mission and I don't need no one and I don't need no people in no church. Me and Jesus is all it is. But that's you don't find that anywhere in Scripture. Mm. And I would encourage you that if you don't have a church that you belong to, find one because they will drive you crazy, but they will also make your life better and they will also help you understand how to grow in your faith. And if you need help finding a church community to become a part of, just simply reach out to the Faith FM website. Yeah. Go on the website, use the contact us form and reach out and say, hey, this is where I live and I'd like to find a church that I can go and belong to and people that I can meet who are also Christians and I'm certain that you will find help. Yeah, absolutely. And the New Testament talks about how you're just not on your own as a Christian person. It talks about the idea of being a body with a whole bunch of different parts. It talks about being born again. And when you're born or when you're adopted, you become part of a family. That's right. And that into, you know, human beings are wired for connection and God knows that about us. And he wants to place us into a loving community. And it's so important. So I would really encourage you to find one if you don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. But. Carrying on back again, that was a bit of a tangent, to what we were talking about in the book of Ecclesiastes. So let's unpack it a little. So it goes in verse 9 of chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Now, 
I really like working as part of a team. You're a bit more of a lone ranger, aren't you, chat? Well, it depends on the task. So, oh, yeah. so for example, like I really enjoy working on a project with a team, like mm. we did um, recently when we combined with a whole bunch of other pastors to to work on creating an online platform for church with the lockdown. Like I really, really enjoyed oh, that. Yeah. yeah, I loved that. But when it comes to like chores around the house like just let me get in and get it done don't get in my way and then it's finished and then we don't have to worry about that chore anymore because you're the opposite i love collaboration i love being part of a team i'm way more productive when i'm in a group of people i'm just such a social butterfly yeah so sometimes you'll be like hey can you come and help me um uh, bath the kids or can you help me do the dishes and it ends up being like oh, you just go do something else i'll i'll do it don't worry because it's yeah. like you're in my way but i've learned that that is a bid for attention that's right and that's actually you saying hey come and be with me come and do something with me so that we are together and i've learned that and i'm trying to relate to it differently and not be so annoyed yes because it's really important to respond to your partner's bids that's um, right. For attention and for affection. Because and you so, are awesome. I, when I'm asking you for help, thanks, love, I am asking you for, I'm sort of calling you into relationship, whereas you see it as I'm calling you into task, task. mode and the task yeah. would be more efficient if you did it by Co- yourself. Correct. And <laughs> yeah. I'm about efficiency. You are about efficiency. And so this is what, this is talking about how it's actually, you get a way more satisfying outcome for your work when you do it with somebody else and you're not just doing it on your own, which is so great. Um, the next thing that it says is that if they fall, then that one will lift the other up that you have a helper in your time of need when you've got somebody in your marriage. So, are you that for your marriage partner? Are you a helper in their time of need? Well, what was it in his context originally? It was like if you fall when you're travelling yeah. or when you're out, you know, with an army. Like, or working or in working, a field work, yeah. and you fall down in a hole or a ditch or yeah. you're stuck somewhere. Was always, for some reason, in the Bible times, there was random holes everywhere. <laughs> well, if somebody had dug a well and then just yeah, left it, that's right, yeah. um, it's totally possible that you could be stuck in that well and, and die. But yeah. if you had somebody working with you, then you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I want to point that out in, in terms of a marriage. Relationships are not always equal or fair. Sometimes somebody falls down. Yeah. And sometimes you have to support somebody more than is your fair share. Yeah. And we've been through that in our relationship as well. We've had, um, you had a really bad burnout. I had really bad postnatal depression. And there were times when one partner needed to be the strong one because the other one couldn't be. Yeah. And I just want to, if you're in that season in your marriage, I just want to encourage you if you're the, being the strong one right now, that good on you. Because it's not always fair, it's not always equal, and um, build those supports up around you to be able to do that. But also, if your relationship is constantly in that mode and you're a bit crippled, then definitely seek help in your relationship and and counselling would be Yeah, but we've had friends where one partner's had disease and, Yeah. yeah, it's mean that they just can't perform like they would normally and share the load as evenly. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Absolutely. And that's part of what it means for richer, for poorer, Correct. in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Um, the next one is lie down together to keep warm. Now, that's not actually talking about people who ordinarily share a bed or people who are in an intimate relationship with each other. Yeah. That, in its original context, is talking about traveling because there wasn't Airbnbs, there wasn't um, a motel that you could just stop by and you couldn't even sleep in your car if you were traveling a long distance because usually you were on foot. Maybe if you were lucky, you had a donkey. Yeah. And if you had a friend, it was way better because you could lie down together, you could keep warm. Maybe one could stay awake while the other slept at night as well to keep safe. Yep. So it was a really, it made you live longer 
to have somebody travel with you. Yep. <laughs> Travelling was pretty risky business in ancient times. Um, the next thing that it says is that if you're fighting by yourself, and this is in a military context, it says if you're fighting by yourself, you can be overcome. But if you're fighting with somebody else, you can have each other's backs. And then it says if there's three, even better. Yeah, now that's really interesting because, like, we've heard that verse about um, what is it? A three, a three, a threefold cord is not broken, which is what my one says. Yeah, and we've often is not quickly the broken. way that we relate that is well. Um, we apply it, say, oh well, it's a husband, a wife, and a Jesus, and that's the three cord bond. Now, which is a beautiful picture of including God in your marriage, which is so important. Which is so important, but in yeah. the original context, it's not talking about that at all. No. It's talking about three people who are. Facing a fight together yeah. and they've they got each other's back and looking out for each other. Yeah. Um, and look, it certainly applies to that application. And I totally believe that our marriage is better because Jesus is part of it. And we are stronger when we fight against the challenges of this world. But it's important to understand what it really meant first before we just cram it into meaning something that it didn't actually say. Yeah, so for the original context, it was talking about fighting immediate right. danger together. Yeah. But for us today, it can talk about facing the challenges of life together, yeah. fighting together the things that come our way that knock us down. Because oh, I'm not in many battles. No. Like, with other <laughs> soldiers, with other men. I don't fight people much. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Pre- it's pretty much a crime, I think, That's to right. just go out in the street it's, and it's do called, that. It's called assault and battery. Um, <laughs> but it's a different fight now. So that's the thing. So now that we understand this is what it meant for them, what does it mean for me? Because I'm not going out. I'm not part of an army. I'm not part of a vigilante group. I'm not a zealot. I'm not out there fighting people. But I do fight. Mm. It's just not with my fists. Yeah, absolutely. And you the know. fight wears you down and gets you tired and exhausted and sometimes you lose. Mm. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, it, the fight might look like coming in and being like, you know what, today I had a really tough phone call. Today somebody verbally abused me. Today I had to sit with somebody who was passing away and that these were hard things for me and I need you to come in yeah. and help me face the challenges of life together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those are just some aspects of our jobs as pastors. Not everybody has to sit with the dying, but it's a privilege that we have in our work. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important that we see our marriage as being like in an army together, that we've got each other's backs, we're on that the we same fight team together. And that we're fighting for the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that we're fighting loneliness together. I'm fighting loneliness for you. I'm fighting loneliness for you. Yeah. And I want to challenge our listener today that you can fight loneliness for your partner. You can face challenges together and you can do it better when you're together than when you're alone. And you can build your friendship together, even if it's been a while, even if it's been challenging lately. You can build your friendship together as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Start with simple things. Have a game of cards. (laughs) <laughs> play Monopoly Deal. I love Monopoly Deal. Monopoly Deal is fun. Yeah, go on a date. Yeah. Um, and Ask some deep questions. Just, yeah. And you can even, like, Google, like, icebreaker questions or the Gottman Card Decks is an app that you can get on your phone that I've talked about before that's just a bunch of questions that you can ask your partner to be curious about who they are, yeah. what they like, what they believe in, what their hopes, fears, and dreams are. Right. Go out on a limb, fight the awkward feelings, and reap the rewards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I hope today that you've learned a lot about how two are better than one and about how we can fight loneliness in marriage. We don't have to put up with it. That's right. Well, it's been excellent being with you once again. It's been great. another afternoon, and it's time for us to go. Have a wonderful rest of the day and weekend, and may you be blessed richly in your life and your marriage. And we look forward to being back with you next week here on Faith FM. Faith FM.